Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. I want to teach you for a few minutes because I felt something stirring in my heart and uh, it really has been developing in, in me over the last few weeks. Uh, and the title of tonight and, and maybe just 20 minutes or so, I think I can, I can touch the high points of this. I'm not going to cover all the notes. I'm not sure if the notes are online or not, but if you're looking at those and thinking that's going to take you longer than 20 minutes, I'm not planning on getting through all those because I had a real, real almost shift in direction about four o'clock this afternoon. And you know, those of you that come here regularly know that is not that unusual, uh, for me, but, uh, I want to talk about the applause of heaven. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think, uh, who was it that said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. The greatest desire that we should have as believers should be first and foremost to please God. The applause that we should be looking for more than anything else should be the applause of heaven. And so that's the premise for where we want to start. And we're going to deal with some things that that you may not think have anything to do with it. Uh, But it it does. And, And, you know, one of the things I want to talk about for just a moment, too, is, you know, we're talking about people who have different standards, who 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 uh, believe the Bible, who want to please God, but yet at the same time, we want to relate to culture. Well, how can I love God, love his principles, and love people, and at the same time, try to still stay relative to the culture that we live in without, watch this, without compromising. Uh. Because, you know, what I've been preaching on Sunday, and it is such a slippery slope. We've been talking about how God desires. He said, Abram, I'll make your name great. I'll bless you and you'll be a blessing. We talked about this past Sunday about Moses. Man, what a, boy, I don't want, if y'all are having as much fun, as half as much fun as I am. It is, it's just awesome. But, you know, gifts are given to people. For a reason. God is not against greatness. We've been talking about this on Sunday. And, and gifts are today, listen, here's the problem. But gifts alone should not decide greatness. What decides greatness, Armenia, is what do I do with the gifts I am given? Now we we decide greatness today in our culture based on who is the most who is the most gifted people, who has the most talent, and who has a platform to share their views. Well, they are misusing the reason they were born and the reason they were given those gifts. Every gift that I'm given has a purpose. So, 
The problem is we have evolved, or I would say not really evolved. What's the, what's the opposite of evolved? Deteriorated into a culture where gifts are elevated and people with gifts are elevated with no regard to character. Now, it's not, how do, it's not so much, am I getting attention for the right reason? It's just, a, am I getting attention? Think about the reality shows. They never make a reality show about me. They want, they want an ugly drama. They want fussing and fight. You know what I'm saying? First of all, I don't know that, and I hadn't planned on saying all this, but first of all, I don't know that it's even, I don't know that I, I would invite them into my house to make a reality show because I don't think that's healthy. Oh, but you can be a witness. Yeah, but what if I lose my family while I'm trying to be a witness while they're in there and we're up in there? Listen, you understand what I'm saying, church? I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but we need to understand this. A question for us to, to ponder is, whose applause and affirmation am I living for? Because the temptation of our day is to live for the applause and the affirmation of culture rather than the applause and affirmation of heaven. I heard a story about a missionary. And uh, this was in the days when it took a long time to get overseas. I mean, you, you would be on a ship for a month or months or a long time if you, if you went to some countries. And uh, they were returning from, from overseas. They'd been there for years. And they got to the dock and happened to be on the same ship. The president and his entourage was there. Well, when the president got there and got off of the ship and his entourage, there was a band. There was streamers and banners and everybody was waving and people were cheering and hugging them and welcomed them back. And there was nobody there to greet the missionaries. And the missionaries said, you know, God... How come we sacrifice and we do all of this and, and we come home and they get greeted and he's only been gone for just a little while and, and, and we come home and there's nobody here to greet him. You know what the Lord said to him? You're not home yet. Mm, mm, mm. You cannot measure everything by what gets rewarded in just this life only. And boy, it'll help you if you'll keep that perspective. Amen? But the greatest challenge that I believe that churches and believers face today is compromise. You know, no longer do we have to go out into the world to make contact with it. Its influence is coming to our homes. They're accessible 24-7. The Christian family has never felt the power and pull of, of worldly culture like the one that we contend with today. Right. And here's what I want to take a few minutes to, to talk to you about, and that is this. We are living in a spiritual war zone. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, you're naive or foolish or living in denial. 
We are living in a spiritual war zone. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. You know the passage I'm going to, but I want to take a few minutes to talk about it. I don't believe, and now some of you have lived a little bit longer than me, and so you can help me. I don't believe that I've ever seen more change in a, I'll say, five-year period. I've seen more change in the last five years than I did the whole 50-something years before that of my life. Now, you, you just have, you're going to have to think with me. I, that's my opinion. That's my observation. Never before in the history of mankind, listen, has society changed its moral values so drastically in such a short period of time as Americans have in this last generation. We're in a culture that is redefining daily all the moral standards set forth in the Scripture. Can I get an amen? And we're living in that time, and Hebrews 12 said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But we sing it here, we will not be shaken. And when we, the thing is, if we aren't careful, we start getting shaken, we start compromising. And it becomes so important. You know, some churches have become so, it becomes so important to them that they are the, the culturally accepted, cool, latest thing. And I'm not against any way that we can relate in culture. But what I'm saying is, if I have to compromise my message to do it, then I'm no longer the church. And somebody has said, well, you know, the church doesn't have any business getting involved in politics. Well, that, um, let me say this. Let me say this. Politics has already gotten involved in the church. When you start telling us, well, I'm not even going to go there. You know what I'm going to say. So we have to be willing to deal with things from a biblical perspective. I have to. But here we go. We're talking about the fact that we're in a spiritual war zone. Let me read you 10 verses out of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Boy, I don't believe he starts off that way without purpose. He's saying, what I'm getting ready to tell you is going to necessitate that you be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That you put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having gird your waist with truth. So there is truth. And I am supposed to be wearing it daily unless I want my pants to fall off and get exposed. Which is exactly what has happened. By the way, for those who teach that there is no such thing as absolute truth, if you're teaching that as a college professor, then don't for any reason ever fail a student for cheating 
because there is no such thing as absolute truth and absolute right and wrong. Your standards cannot be his standards. Therefore, or she, if you catch them cheating, you have no business failing them because you have taught them there is no such thing as absolute truth. Anyway, truth, righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We must be prepared to preach the gospel. It's the only hope. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with prayer and supplication. That's what we're doing. We're interceding daily. We're encouraging all of you. Get your, get that, give him 15 app. Uh, uh, do whatever it takes to begin to intercede. Get your flags going. Praying always uh, in the spirit. Watchful to the end with perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, watch this. This is so powerful. Paul says this. That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Most of us, and I put myself in that category, if that was me, I'd be writing you saying, come do something, get me out of this chain. Paul is saying, listen, you pray for me that the fact is, despite the fact that I am chained up and being persecuted for the gospel's sake, that I will still have the boldness to declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's all I can say to that is wow. Man, what a man of God. Isn't that powerful? Now, let's talk about it for a minute. It talks about principalities. Let me tell you what principalities are. Principalities are evil authorities who accomplish, oh, it's on the board, good, who accomplish Satan's agenda by influencing individuals, people groups, and regions. In other words, they are, here's another way to say it. They are princes of principles. You see, this goes back to what I've been saying on Sunday. That's why when a celebrity or somebody in politics or somebody on the news has a microphone and they have a platform and they start telling everybody what they think and what their views are, That's why they're able to influence. They have been given a platform by which they have not earned a God by living a godly standard life, but yet they are influencing culture and society and changing the way, watch this, people think. Thank you. I received that. In other words, a principality is princes of principles. It is ways of thinking. A way of thinking that is dominant among certain people groups. And here's the the rest of it. They influence the boundaries of life. They accomplish Satan's agenda and create bondage. Well, you have to think with me tonight. I'm trusting you guys are ready to go deep and you can handle it. Everybody say, I can handle it. They accomplish Satan's agenda and create bondage by causing trends of dysfunction. 
Now stay with me. In individuals, countries, communities, and people groups and families with flawed and faulty principles and ways of thinking. They desire, listen, to make it, to make certain lifestyles normal so that everybody around you is dysfunctional and you're normal, but now normal is dysfunctional. See, we got all, we're talking about all these principalities and powers and listen, and I'm all for it. I am all for spiritual warfare and chopping and, cha- and, and doing all of that. But I'm telling you, the main principality that we need to deal with is how people think. Because if I control how you think, I don't have to physically be there to keep you in line. I got you. That's why the Bible says it's so important that you renew your mind. Are y'all getting anything out of this tonight? And I believe that this is the trademark. It is the spirit of the age in which we live. An age that is being ruled by principalities. And here's what happens. Bondage is then produced because then it becomes systemic. Because laws are legislated by people with sinful hearts. Am I I making sense to you tonight from a biblical perspective? Are you getting something out of this? Full hearts. And here's the truth. You can't have holy laws without holy hearts. Amen, Al. Thank you, brother. And here's, here's the thing. This is why, here's what God told us. I've heard people say, you know what, Brother Scotty, I can watch all that stuff and I can listen to all that stuff and it don't affect me. That's a lie. Yes, it does. And I'll tell you why I know, because of what Philippians 4, 8 says. Let's look at it. Amen, Tom. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are just, lovely, of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Because you can transform and renew your mind by focusing on things that are true, excellent, pure, admirable, praiseworthy, and it takes your mind to the next level. Have you ever, let's be honest. How many of you, at some point in the last five, let's say 10 years, have looked around and thought to yourself, has everybody lost their minds? Anybody besides me? Okay. Well, the answer is yes. Man, yes. 
Because the devil knows that every action that flows out of the human heart originates from our thoughts. He knows that our moral character is going to be the exact image of our thinking. Our thoughts determine whether our character drifts toward good or evil. And I'm talking about individually and as a society and as a culture. The way we think. The devil knows that in order for a person to do evil, he must first think evil. Now, let me just apply this culturally. And I, I, you know, I'm a very positive guy. I, I am excited. You heard what I already prophesied tonight. We're fixing to come into our best hour. But what I'm saying is this. Sin doesn't come on us like a seizure. Where did that come from? It comes as a result of giving place to the enemy first and foremost in our thought life. Amen. And so when you, only, when you really get ready to do some spiritual warfare, that's a great place to start. Start by renewing your mind. And we need to pray that there will be people raised up in this nation. Continue to pray that there will be people raised up in the nation and in the world that have a voice, that have a platform, that have a way of getting their message out to confront people with the truth and pray that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened and that the enemy who has blinded them, that he is he has a... a, a uh, agree that he is defeated in their lives and that the message of the gospel will be preached to them and they'll receive it. That is the answer to where we are as a, as a people and as a culture. That's why preaching's important. That's why you're important. You're going to sit by people and talk to people I'll never talk to. You have a message. We have a message. But how shall they hear without a, a declarer? Someone who will declare. So anyway, now, I am not prophesying what I'm fixing to say to you, and I'm going to stop. But I'm not prophesying this. I'm saying it has to be contemplated. It has to be considered. I've heard people prophesy judgment. I've heard people prophesy the greatest revival. I've heard, I've heard every prophecy you can think of, just like you have. How many of you heard a lot of, pro- boy, I've heard a bunch of them. Lord have mercy. So, I, you know, I don't claim to be the most prophetic person in the world. I, I know some of them, some of them I've read contradict themselves, contradict something somebody else gave. And so, you, know, I'll, you know, all I know is what I have a sen- the sense in my heart of what I'm believing God for. But we also have to examine, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 6. I want to show you something. Because this is, this is so important that we understand this tonight. And I realize it's different maybe than, than the style of preaching that I do, but it's something that I love to do. It's something I'm passionate about. And I trust that it's, it's causing something to come alive on the inside of you. This doesn't make me feel like I want to go hide in a hole and build a bomb shelter. If you want to do that, that's fine. This makes me want to rise up in the spirit. 
and be everything God's called me to be. Because I've got, we've got, my God, I'm about to preach. We got a message to preach. We got a God who is good. We got a Savior who is the answer. We have a hope for the hopeless. We have something the world needs and needs it more every day. Hmm. Glenn, we got to keep on keeping on, brother. A civilization that is centered on an ungodly thought life is built on sinking sand. Let me show you something in Genesis chapter 6. Then the Lord saw, verse 5, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Watch this. Oh. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, how many of you would be honest enough that when you look around at culture today that you have felt that right there? It's not only how can we do evil, but how can we make it where it is acceptable, where it is legal, and where it is the norm? We don't want to just do it. You better approve it. This civilization in the days of Noah received the fruit of their thoughts, which was wickedness and corruption that multiplied on the face of the earth. Bottom line is this. I pray that we will come to a place of the divine intervention of Almighty God I am believing for that. I am confessing it. I am praying it. I am declaring it. And I am doing everything in my power to proclaim a message that will make it possible. And I am not going to stop. And neither are you. Hallelujah. I want to bring glory to God with not just what I do, but with my thinking. I want to honor him with every thought. I don't want any virus to infect my thinking and take out the operating system of my heart and I don't want a virus to infect our nation and take out the operating system of our nation. In God we trust. And I pray that we will not abandon that. But it was a, watch this, it was a reckless thought life that led to the annihilation of an entire civilization. There's no other way to see this. And my question is, is it happening again? I pray that God will divinely intervene because I'm going to tell you this. And again, this is not to make you heavy. Our only hope is God. The only hope of the world is God. The only hope of our nation is Jesus. The only hope is the gospel. It's our only hope. Man can't fix this. It's going to take a divine intervention of God. Now, we can pray and believe. God can use people. 
He can use people that aren't perfect. He can use people that don't have it all together. Listen, I'm just telling, I'm, all, I'll know, all I know to tell you to do is this. Pray and believe God to put somebody somewhere, some people somewhere in place that even when they don't know they're being used by God, that God will use them and turn this thing around. That's what I believe in for glory be to God. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm, I am very hopeful in spite of this, but I think it helps us to understand what it is that we're dealing with. We're dealing with principalities, ways of thinking that are becoming more and more ingrained. You know, Drew, when we were in Africa, you, you, you'll remember this. That culture... I love to go over there, love ministering to the people. But they suffer as a people in Ghana, I can tell you, in other places, because of some of these very things that I'm talking about. Ways of thinking that are ingrained in culture. For instance, Armenia, we were in Ghana. We were at a public school ministering to the kids who had no bathroom. Nowhere to go to the bathroom. Just awful. And Joshua, Bishop Holder, he said, Pastor, come on, I'll show you something. Within walking distance of that school, with no bathroom, no books, no chalkboard, is a house that belongs a mansion that belongs to the local representative, government representative, one of four or five homes that he has, which he never stays in. But they keep getting back in power, keep electing the same people because they have few choices, they feel powerless but they suffer because of a mindset. And that's a principality. God, is not will, God does not want people to suffer in a land that is rich in natural resources. That is being robbed by its own politicians and also by corporations that come in and take it out and don't care anything about the people at all. I may talk about this a little bit Sunday. I, I, I'm, right now I'm leaning toward... We're talking about, we're in radical series, and I'm, I'm talking about, thinking about talking about God is radically good. And I want to I deal with something maybe Sunday, we'll see, about, well, if God's radically good, why is there evil in the world? And why does he allow it? Don't answer it. Y'all are smart, you know, I'll, but I'll, we'll, we may talk, if I do, I'll talk about, if I, if I, I feel that stirring still in, in me Sunday, we'll talk about that. But let me tell you, ways of thinking that become ingrained and become generational can be terribly, terribly destructive. That is why you sense such a spiritual struggle going on in our nation right now because we are establishing ways of thinking that are going to be going on for generations. I got a survey. I'm going to close with this. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tell you some of these details, but I hope you're enjoying this. I got a, I got a, 
I, I keep up with the George Barna, the Barna Group, who does research, especially revolving churches and everything. And he said, you know, they just did they just did some research and they found that uh, of the age group thirty and under, seventy percent of those thirty and under are against capitalism and favor socialism. Boy, we got, you know what that, I feel like somebody that just showed up and opened a grocery store and everybody's starving. What this tells me is we have a job to do. Boy, I tell you, I feel real secure, brother. I had to guarantee I got a job to do. Preaching is needed. Missionaries are needed. Christians are needed. If there's ever been a day, my God, I'm about to shout. When we need to be salt and light, it is now. And here is my final word for us tonight. Arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If you receive it, stand up and give God praise in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at livechurchmobile.com.